0: Water. We've been singing about water all day. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but Mark always makes sure that the songs weave right through the theme of the lesson and where we're going in the arc of our stories. And water features prominently in thin places, stories, and Scripture. And if you think about it, it makes sense. We can only live two to three days tops without water. Water is is so necessary that our own body works to make us swallow, swallow, swallow through the day. We we require it. It's so important. And yet we don't really think about it that much because we carry it with us. We have it in our Yeti, our water bottle of fashion statement thermos of some sort. And in America when you ask for a large you, you get a large. You know they uh, and you can buy cups. It takes two men and a small boy to take them out to the car. Comes with free dialysis later and, and it's just you won't buy a car without cup holders here. It's, just, it's amazing. Uh, we can always spot the Americans in Europe because they're the ones with the, the water. Uh, that's fine. You're just showing off, hey, we got extra. I'll pour a little bit there. See, I have extra. That's great stuff. But what if you were a desert people? John Barton was one of my elders up in Rochester for a while. Uh, near the end of my time there, he became an elder. He was a, profess- a professor over at um, Rochester College as well. And he tells a story on himself. And I I wish he were here because he could tell it a lot better about working in Uganda in the dirt and the heat all day. I think they were doing gardens or something. And came dinner time, and they brought him a shallow bowl of water and pointed out to a place in the yard for him to wash. And he washed as best he could in that shallow bowl of water with no soap. And it was just basically mud at that point, and he poured it out and came back. And they all just looked at him and looked at the bowl because they were supposed to use that water too. They had honored him by letting him go first. He never thought anybody would want to use that. But water is so precious elsewhere. That's why in Scripture, water captures their attention. All day long, somebody's got to be bringing in the water. All day long, somebody's got to go get the water. Some of you are old enough, and you've lived in, uh, out in rural areas to the point where <clears throat> perhaps it was your job as a kid to go to the well, bring in the bucket of water. Because without, the wa- without you doing this, you, just, you don't have water. Water formed boundaries, Back then and it still does you cross from Minneapolis to st. Paul just by crossing a river Uh, It can it can split cities like that in states. It can also split countries in Detroit You look across the river and there's Canada and I used to joke that we got to know Canadians on the bridge Because we would drive across to Canada because long time before it was over-the-counter here you could get Allegra and Claritin and such over the counter there so we'd drive over there and wave at all the Canadians coming to this side because their laundry detergent didn't work because they needed to be environmentally safe. They took all the stuff that makes it work. So we would just wave to each other as we'd go to get each other's goods. A different nation and just a river between. And we gained some bits of our identity from rivers as well. In Glasgow, in the west of Scotland, it's, it's, and I'm sure it's true in other places, it's just the one I know. If you're south of the river and you're telling people, oh, I'm going to go across the Clyde to, to, to go shopping or to visit, and people go, oh, they're very strange over there. They'll, they'll actually use the word guy, which means very in Scots. They're guy strange. And you're in the north and you're you're about done, you're about to go back over, and it's it's, it's not that big a river. And they're going, oh, I don't know how you live down there. They're, they're guy strange. I'm saying there's a lot of that going around. So there's... It's just a river. And the march to promised land started at a sea. A walk into the Red Sea. An act of faith, if ever there was one. I got to visit uh, one-on-one with with Ollie, my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson, yesterday. His mom's away for minister's wife's retreat, uh, and dad has to coach the other two in soccer games, and they weren't going to loose Ollie upon the planet. So they, they said, could I come over? And I said, sure. So I had all morning with him. And he's, he's, of course, perfect in every way. He also is very inquisitive. And so he asked questions a lot. And he's, he ran out to my truck, started, what's this? What's this? What's this? Crawled under it. Started, I started making up names. That's the defibrillator. That's the, um, <laughs> um, you know. That's the lumber stretcher. And we also have an air hook. We have an air hook under there. And, and he's just going on. And he's asking all these questions. And it was, um, it was an amazing thing. And I, often, I started thinking about Ollie yesterday. Because when I read scripture, I turn into Ollie. Here, you're walking through the Red Sea. And they get to the other side. And Pharaoh's army is drowned. And they move on to Sinai. And I'm not ready to move on yet. I want to know more. What did it look like? Were the fish surprised? Um, that were did you could you look up and see them? Uh, what did, was it a tunnel or was it complete? Because it was a tunnel that would be even more frightening. Maybe you know sharks over top of you or something. And I have all these questions, and yet the Bible just sends you right through there. Did they sing? Did they pray? Did they cry? Were were they afraid? Were they in awe? I don't know. It was only after they made it through the water that they really understood that this God was something different than they had expected. It was bigger than a God that they'd had in Egypt. This God could cross borders. Back in those days, gods didn't cross borders. You had a God that was of the high places, a God that was of the valleys. You had a God that was in this river, a God that was in that river. Every God had his own little diocese, and he didn't move on. This God went with them through the water. We don't get that because we think, yeah, God's everywhere. This was a new concept. We're on the other side of the river and God's still with us. And he's powerful on this side. Wow. So, I often wonder, what were they thinking? And we're not told much about it. And I often see God better in the rearview mirror. So I get it if they didn't quite understand what was going on when it happened. But Moses and Miriam wrote a song, and they led a congregation in it, and it's one of the best songs, and it shows how God was with them through this whole process. But because it was a song written by a woman, and the woman led the congregation in it, I, as I reached out to get a, a woman's voice to, to give us Miriam's song. No, she didn't have to sing it. Yeah, you're, yeah you, you can if you wish. You know, If you, if you wrote to wee tune, go for it. But it's written in Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, and one of our newest sisters in Christ, Brittany, has volunteered to do it. Come on up, Brittany.
1: Hmm. I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will praise Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide their spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and by my hand, I will destroy them. But you blew your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in, and you will plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea.
0: I could have done that. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. Thank you. Appreciate that. Could have. And we all know the story. We all know that that faith that they all sang about and that excitement that they all sang about, they, they faltered. They faltered along the, along, uh, along the way. When I was a boy, I often wondered, again, like Ollie poking around at things, Why does God keep telling us why that people made mistakes and made mistakes and made mistakes? I didn't understand that it was so I'd be not terribly surprised when I did. Or when you did. Every so often I'll get preachers that'll email me and they're so fed up with their church. They're so fed up with an elder or they're so fed up with something else. And they'll ask me, How 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 long should I put up with this? And of course, we look at their, their situation, and of course, we try to help them, but I tell them the general rule is, be as patient with other people as you want Jesus to be with you. And that should put a bit of perspective on it, don't you think? Let's be as patient with others, because the Bible does talk about, if you're merciful, you shall receive mercy. Maybe we need to look at the mistakes sometimes. God did punish them when they didn't keep their faith when they approached the Jordan River and they didn't have faith this time after all he'd done for them they didn't have faith so listen very carefully he kept them in the desert until the doubters died and in churches churches do not grow and do not prosper if they are run by the doubters and far too often excuse me I think God just has to back up, let the doubters die. Then he leads you forward. Once the doubters had died, he brought them to the water. Step in the water, he told the leaders, and they did. Once again, he held the waters back. It was perhaps not as impressive as the Red Sea. I have no idea because we don't get the details that I and Oliver want. But God entered the water. And they were afraid Baal was in the water, because that's what they'd always been told. Baal was in the Jordan River. Baal is the one who is protecting the Philistines on the other side. Baal will kill us, and it's in flood stage, so Baal is angry. And yet, God said, step into the water, and they did, and he stopped the water. Even when the tribes around them were afraid of that water, God was not the Old Spiritual, Wade in the Water, is one of my favorite songs. It was uh, the first time I heard it, actually. It was done by the the great American uh, African-American uh, wizard of the 12-string, one of the first 12-string players named Hitty Ledbetter back in the day. And you, you can still find a scratchy recording of it. There's several other recordings of it. And th- to me, they're all amazing. The concept of... God's going to trouble the water. Are you ready to enter the water? Remember the story of Naaman? He was a commander of a foreign army, the army of Ben-Hadad II, uh, of Aram and Damascus. And he'd heard from a servant girl that there was a prophet in Israel that, might, that would, rather, be able to cure his leprosy. Because once the leprosy gets established, he would be kicked out of his people. And here he is, a captain. Now, by the way, the slave girl, how did the slave girl know this? She undoubtedly had been taken in a raid. She undoubtedly had been ripped from her family or home of some sort and taken against her will into Adam. And yet, she looks at the man and she goes, Back where you got me, there's a prophet. He can help you. So Naaman. Sends one of his men to the king of Israel. We've got to do this through proper channels. I'm not going to go talk to the prophet. I'll send my people to talk to his people. We'll see how this works. Elisha said, no, you come to me. Now, was Elisha being a bit um, arrogant here? No. No, you've got to remember, back in these days, although it's never really said in Scripture, we know in history. Back in these days, travel was not free. There is enmity here. There have been battles and skirmishes. Remember the taken slave girl. Elisha's not allowed to go to him, but he is powerful. He can bring a retinue with him. He can come to Elisha. He says, you come here. And we come to another thin place. Naaman brought money. He was ready to donate a bunch of money to, to Israel or to the prophet or to the God of whatever this God was. Elisha says, no, go to the Jordan River, bathe in it seven times. Now, why, what, what's going on here? Uh, remember, they had always said their God was in that river. And he's saying, go in there and see who's in that river. Go in there and see who God is. It's our God in the river. Well, Naaman was insulted by this, he goes, it's muddy. We got better rivers back home. You know, that's Baal's water. We got, we got pretty clean water. He says, Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. That means he was terrified because he's thinking, if this, doesn't, if this goes sideways, we're all dead. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Whew, think of that. Honey, someone's at the door. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, in other words, Elisha's not praised. Just, just tell him what to do. Go wash yourself seven times in a Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot to cure me of the leprosy. We all want a bit of a show, don't we? We all, we all do. You know, if somebody just calls you and says, your card is the ace of diamonds, that's not fun. You have to have the whole setup. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, and by the way, we have no indication that he went back to Elisha and said, I'm sorry, I'll give it a try. He just went down to the water, Dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. I love that little bit, that little story. He resisted, but he went to the water. And there are a lot of more water stories in the Old Testament, but let's skip ahead to the New Testament. John the Baptist, hard and a rough man never cut his hair in his entire life because that was part of the Nazarite vow. That means the beard and the hair on his head. He was a bit shaggy and probably frightening to the people. He wore rough clothes. He ate rough food, and he spoke roughly. And we see him in the river Jordan. There we are again baptizing. Mark chapter 1. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Once again, God's grace is there. God's grace is is available. All you have to do is come to the water. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt about his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then a thin place hits. Look at this you know, it'd be easy to make this a special uh, Jordan River thing. You, you can go, if you go to Israel, and come back with little vials of the Jordan River. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mean, please, do not read anything into that. And people go to be rebaptized in the Jordan River, and I think that's probably a really cool thing to do. Not knocking that at all. A lot of people do it. But it's not the Jordan that does it. It's who you meet at Jordan. It's who you meet when you enter the water. God will meet us. He will meet us in the water. Even if we never see the Jordan River, I've never seen it, never been there. But I was baptized. And in that water, God meets us. He meets us in a thousand places, but water is special to God, like it's special to us. The Jordan's important because it established the board the boundaries the borders of his people the people on his on this side his people on the other side not so much there was a, a few of the uh, a half tribe over there and a tribe but no over here my people here not my people it was a boundary the waters of baptism do that same thing they mark who has professed faith in Christ and who has not Look at Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, You be baptized. Come to the water. And, and that, that becomes a point of contention to some It's a thin place, and I think that's why the devil pushes back, because he knows we will meet God in the water. Look at these three passages together, from Galatians, Romans, and Acts, and look for how God meets us. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Let's look at the next one. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, buried with him through baptism into death, in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, in the water, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And then Peter replied, they asked, what do we do? Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just what John said. Just what John said in that first reading we did some time ago. Again and again, come to the water. And just like Naaman, people resist baptism. And that has puzzled me for a long time. Because to me, believing is harder than baptism. And repenting is a lot harder than baptism. What's so hard about baptism? And then back in my days when I used to be a shrink, I came up with a theory. And please remember, shrinks have lots of theories. You don't have to buy any of them because another one will be coming along. But here's mine. I can believe in God quietly as I'm driving in my truck up the road. I can even repent of my sins, being convicted that I have lived a bad life and here are the things I must change. And I can do that Privately. I, I can even confess, I, I can say out loud to God, because He is everywhere, not bound in by the rivers, I can say, "I believe in you." And I believe that Jesus is your son, but to be baptized, I've got to be in public. There has to be at least one other person there. And I have to lose control of my life for a moment. Now it's just a moment. But you are literally putting yourself in somebody else's hands. You might, I, was, I was baptized by my father. And let me tell you something. It was a close run thing. Because I'm looking at him thinking now he works for Jesus. But he also knows what I'm like. He might hold me a bit extra down there. He didn't. I was not an easy child to raise. I know that's a bit of a shock. But just down and up. all it is. But to do that, we have to be inconvenienced. We have to go out of our element. We have to go in to a different place, guided by different hands, trusting that we will be resurrected, just like Jesus had to trust. I think that's why we fight it. We need to remember something. God is serious about the water. He has always been. If Naaman had refused, he could have given all of his riches and he would have still had leprosy. I've had people tell me, don't you think God can save you without baptism? Of course he can. God can do whatever he wants to because he's God. That comes with a job description. And I hope he saves people everywhere all over the place. I really do. But what I can do is say this. He told us to go to the water. And if he tells you to go to the water, why would you not go to the water? Now, we're gonna ask everybody, if you would please stand, because I need some movement here. I I did not uh, prep them for this, and that's my bad. I could have done that. I'd like our shepherds and their wives to go to the walls like we do at prayer time, please. Uh, And if we have any staff members in here or other prayer warriors that would like to join them. And here's why. And and Mark, you can bring your team up. Like Naaman, we can't up out and say, well, I'll cross a different river privately. When God has ordained this river at this time, in, in the water, we meet God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they promise to live with us forever. They promise to meet us in the water. The thing to remember is that it's not special about the water. It's special about who you meet in the water. It's not about who baptizes you. It's about who meets you. It's not about a Jordan. It's not it's about doing what God said and meeting him in the thin place of the water. If you wish to be baptized, I want you to go to one of these shepherds or their wives, one of these prayer warriors or their wives and talk to them. If you have questions, you want to know more, if you have objections, go to them. They will be patient. They will be gentle and kind with you. There will be no pressure because there's no example or command for us to shove you in the water. This has to be a decision you make, creating a thin place between you and God. I'm not going to do the old-fashioned singing 82 verses of Just As I Am. Instead, as we sing our final songs, so those that would like to speak to our shepherds, please Go. And the rest of us, let us remember we can create a thin place anytime, anywhere when we step out in faith. May God bless you. May you shine for Jesus Christ this week.